Hello and welcome to the Room of Lives. I am your host, Neil. In this second episode, I have a one-on-one conversation with Lynn Ulbricht, the mother of Ross Ulbricht, who created the anonymous dark web marketplace Silk Road and was arrested and sentenced to two life terms plus 40 years in maximum security prison without parole. I begin by asking Lynn for her views on what happened in Ross's case and trial. Did creating the website make Ross responsible for harmful trading on it? Why does Lynn think that the state tampered with evidence and possibly violated the Fourth Amendment of privacy as it looked through data without warrants? Lynn tells me about the state repeatedly blocking the defense cross-examination and about two corrupt investigators who were in prison for stealing Bitcoin and what, according to her, are the state's motivations to come down so heavily on her son. We then talk about the relentless activism that she threw herself into since Ross got arrested. What has this activism looked like? Who are the people and groups that listened to her after everyone turned away? We discuss Ross's petition that became very popular, why even general U.S. citizens that are unconnected to the case should care about it, since it influences the laws that are taking shape for the digital age. Lynn then shares her experiences and lessons learned on this long, hard road and her views on prisons and the drug war. Then we talk a bit about Ross, the human being. What was his early life and upbringing like in Austin? Lynn has said that he had philosophical and ideological reasons for creating Silk Road. What were Ross's philosophies and ideology? Which of those did Lynn differ from? What kind of person is Ross, and how has he been acting in prison and towards other inmates? What kind of conditions is he living in, and how has he been treated? Lynn tells me about Ross's involvement in Eastern philosophy and Buddhist meditation, and how she and his friends and family keep visiting to keep up his mental well-being. How has Ross been doing mentally and emotionally all this time, and what are his reflections on his experiences? I finally end by asking her what the future of her activism looks like. If you enjoy visiting us in the Room of Lives, consider donating Ether, DAI, or other Ethereum-based coins to abhranil.eth. That's A-B-H-R-A-N-I-L dot E-T-H. All right. So in the interest of time, I have this list of questions, sure. but I'll, I'll try to go through them sort of more quickly than I imagined so okay, that I well, hit all I, the it's points. It's like you have a little wiggle room, so yeah. don't worry too much. I mean, I could probably, 50, an hour 15 or whatever if you need it. Yeah, yeah. don't worry. Yeah, 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 yeah Okay, yeah. sure. So um, mm-hmm. before, uh, prior to our conversation, I'll append my background 
um, a voiceover background on the whole story. So we mm-hmm. don't need to talk about the whole story. Oh, good. I, mostly that, I thank yeah, you. Yeah, That's yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So I want to start first. Let me make sure that this is... Yep. Okay. So um, I want to start first with what what is your position on the whole... What do you or... Um, what do his lawyers, what is the position as in what do you believe he did and what do you believe he didn't do? Okay. Um, well, I believe Ross and mm-hmm. um, what was brought up at trial. Uh, Ross says that he created the website. Yeah. For, to protect, he created a website to protect the privacy and anonymity of its users. Yeah. He did not create a drug website. Hmm. Um, it was it operated on the Tor browser with using the cryptocurrency Bitcoin, which was part, was the anonymity, and um, you know Ross uh, got very uh, involved in, with Ron Paul campaign in grad school in '08. He hmm. was on fire for freedom, passionate about free markets, and he wanted to create something that gave people an experience of a truly free market. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Just so people understand, it was an open market, basically unregulated, but there were rules, which yeah. is not true of a lot of the markets now. I oh, yeah, that's, that's true. true. Mm-hmm. And um, because Ross is very strongly uh, believes in voluntary voluntary interaction, not using force, and not victimizing people. Mm-hmm. So, for example, no child pornography was permitted. No stolen property was permitted. Mm-hmm. Um no hitmen, even though you might read yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and many other outrageous things I've read that people say were on there. I'm like, even the government doesn't say that. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so there were rules, but it was generally up to the, it was generally product agnostic. It was up to the buyer and seller what yeah. they chose to exchange within those very few parameters. You know, don't victimize, don't hurt others, don't use force. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so... They, a lot of people did sell drugs, mainly small amounts of marijuana, which is not something that's uh, talked about much in media or by the government, but it was mainly small amounts of marijuana mm-hmm. as far as drugs were concerned. But there, I've talked to people who said I had gold on there. Yeah. I had you know, raw milk, books, art, many other things. You never see those in the screenshots about Silk Road. You only yeah. see the worst possible things. And look, I'm not defending what the site became and... Um, or a lot of things that are on there. I mean, that's not my interest, and I understand people's, um, you know, upset about it. Mm. But that's not what Ross intended, and he never intended harm. I mean, I, I know him. So um, that, he, he said he created it. He said he got out of it. He had other interests. Um, and um, it got over, you know, it's almost anecdotally such a strong case by people who were there in the, in the administration that there were many dread pirate roberts who maybe you've explained who that is when you know the pseudonym of mm-hmm. um including corrupt agents had the ability to act as dread pirate roberts so we don't know really who at any given time was dread pirate roberts but in any case um and then as his lawyer said at trial he was uh lured back in to um help out with some things he was on he was downloading the colbert report in the library that came out in trial you never read that it's always he was caught red-handed on the site well yeah except he was torrenting uh the colbert, colbert report. report but what i read and this is on a wired article um, okay 
I read that he was also logged in. He was um, asked to log in by the agent huh. who was there. He, he messaged him and said, can you log in? Yeah. And then he logged in. Yeah. So he did have the ability to log in. I'm not denying mm. it. Uh, the point being is that he wasn't there running Silk Road at the library. And um, he was downloading the Colbert Report. Uh, I question that he was the guy running Silk Road at that time. And actually, mm. after Ross was in prison for seven weeks, someone else logged in as Dread Pirate Roberts. Mm. Who mm. was that? You know, but that's that was discovered after trial. So that could only be brought to pro before a jury in a, at another trial. Yeah, yeah. But it was discovered and it is uh, was covered by the news. And it, you know... So this is this happened before uh, they shut Silk Road down. Someone because uh, they eventually shut it down. Yeah, well, I, arrest, I think guess. they shut down. They didn't shut down the forum. They yeah. just shut down the market. Yeah. So it was the last login by this Dread Pirate Roberts was four days before they shut down the forum, mm -hmm. but it was seven weeks after Ross's arrest. Yeah. And um, we don't know how many other times this person logged into either because you only see the last login. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so. see. So I I read that. Uh, Red Pirate Roberts, whether this was Ross or not, I don't know. But yeah. at a, an initial phase, he this this person wrote, our basic rules are to treat others as you would wish to be treated and don't do anything to hurt or scam someone else. But it seems like it wasn't... Um, I mean, he didn't explicitly ban um, things like child porn and murder. Uh, it was more like... Um, this is a code of conduct, but it was left to people to, to to follow it or not. Well, I saw, I read some of the forum discussions yeah. where people were arguing for child porn because yeah. it's, well, it's a free choice, you know. And yeah. uh, whoever was Dread Pirate Roberts was saying, I don't know if it was Ross, yeah. uh, was saying, well, just go somewhere else then because it's not going to happen. Yeah. So I read that in official stuff. So maybe it wasn't, specific things were not listed in the manifesto. Yeah. Manifestos yeah. usually don't list specific things. Yeah. It covers the whole principle of do no harm. So, yeah. and, you know, people could argue, well, drugs do harm. But the point with libertarians is, well, that's up to you. If mm. you're a, an adult to decide mm. what you want to do with your own body. And, um, but children... Certainly yeah, do not this, have that this, this choice. This uh, brings me to an interesting question. So I was reading that Curtis Green, mm -hmm. he forwarded, uh, I'm quoting this, Green forwarded one troubling customer service complaint from a woman whose brother overdosed on heroin from Silk Road and noted that under the current system, children could use the site. Perhaps that was a hair too much freedom, Green said. DPR erupted, that's my whole idea. Any constraints would destroy the fundamental concept. He said and refused any assistance for the grieving sister. Have really, I don't know anything. That certainly doesn't sound like something Ross would say, but mm. um, I really don't know anything. I have, this is the first I've heard that. Okay. I can tell you that Curtis Green has tweeted that yeah. he doesn't believe Ross was behind murders for hire or had it in him to do that, and that, you know, basically he knows a lot and he can't talk about it now because he's under contract or something. But yeah. Um, so I, I don't believe that Curtis would think that was Ross because I believe Curtis thinks there were other people operating as Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I wonder how a child could have opened a Bitcoin account and um, and learned how to use Tor. I wonder how old that... I mean, not, not that it matters. It's a yeah. life and it's terrible. Yeah. 
I don't, like I say, I'm not going to defend Silk Road or drug use. I, I think I'm not advocating for drugs at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that people have a right to decide. Yeah. Not that children is a different story, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think people should be put in prison because they decide. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not in our constitution. You know, when they prohibited alcohol, they had to have a, a an amendment to the constitution to prohibit alcohol and another amendment to lift that prohibition because, of course, prohibition doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have done nothing like that with drugs. They've just decided yeah. that it's they can do that without changing the constitution. Yeah. So... There's a lot of questions, but no, absolutely. I mean, just like I I know someone whose brother killed himself with alcohol. Mm. So, look, it's tragic. I'm absolutely, and I I, I do not defend it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that doesn't sound like something, it really doesn't sound like something Ross would say. Mm-hmm. So what I read was in the very initial stage of, of Silk Road, um, in order to provide some stimulus to the trade, uh, Ross grew and sold psilocybin mushrooms on Silk Road. Have you heard about this? Yeah, it was a trial. I don't even know if it was. Maybe that was the very beginning of um, the site. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is a. That is the only time they said he actually sold drugs. Was, yeah. Uh, Did Ross admit to doing that? I haven't talked to Ross about it because you know I'm out. I don't have privileged information yeah so I could be subpoenaed and all that stuff. So we I don't see. really talk about the case. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I, I that could be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been on Silk Road? No. A, any of its versions? Have you seen? Uh, the what's only on thing there? I was on was it was a part of the exhibits and stuff like that that I was uh, able to read the forum. Yeah. But I never had heard of it or got on it or or any darknet site at yeah, all. Yeah. But is it known that there were there were murders for hire on 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 Silk Road? I he, believe there were not. There were not. Okay. That's what I've been told, and I don't. And the government didn't allege it. Yeah. Okay. I see. Um, but I know I have not gone through every listing on Silk Road or any of that. I don't believe it was listed. I don't believe there were any violent services. Um, yeah. Yeah. Allowed. Yeah. As part of that whole manifesto, yeah. do no harm. Yeah. So, um, like I said downstairs, um, um, I recently accessed uh, Silk Road, at least the current avatar, whoever is running that. I don't know. Somebody who it calling is. it Silk Road. Yeah. It's, it's still called Silk Road. Um, and pretty much all of the listings are drugs. I didn't search for anything. I just looked at the, mm-hmm. like the front page. Um, and they accept more than Bitcoin now. They're like upgrading, yeah. um, their software. So Silk Road is still up. I mean, mm-hmm. some version yeah. Silk Road 3.1 is up. Um, and I have heard of other uh, sites like uh, Silk Road um, that are also up. Oh, yeah, there's lots. Yeah, you know, the, the the judge at sentencing was like, well, we're going to make you an example. And it's going to stop all these, scare all these people, and they won't do it. Yeah. The opposite happened. And in fact, Wired wrote about how it boosted Darknet sites yeah. after the sentencing. Yeah. And they're bigger, and they do not have that do no harm philosophy yeah. or restriction. Yeah. They're way bigger. Yeah. Much more listings, many more. So it didn't solve anything at all. But the drug war doesn't. You yeah. know, it's been a trillion dollars and 45 years of the drug war. Mm. And it has not stopped drug use at all. Mm. But it has made the government much richer and more powerful and invasive. Yeah. And it certainly has populated our prisons to the point where we are the biggest incarcerator on the planet. Mm. So it's getting some results for some people. 
but it's not getting the results it's supposed to, which is, you know, it doesn't work. Prohibition mm. doesn't work. It's been proven, yeah. I think, pretty much. You know? So if someone builds uh, an anonymous market mm -hmm. like this, um, it's natural that people who want to trade in illicit commodities will get on this yeah, in order to true. circumvent the yeah, government. It's true. Do you think that, I mean, you said Ross admitted building this mm -hmm. uh, market. Do you think he had the responsibility to uh, to explicitly ban, because he was the programmer of this market, to explicitly ban certain kinds of things? Um, I don't know if it was the total programmer because he's not a programmer, but you know, yeah. I guess he got some help from... Some Richard Bates. Friend, Richard Bates. Yeah. Uh, but also in other things, that Richard Bates were, from what I understand from uh, the, that, that it wasn't only the Silk Road, he was working on some other things. But anyway, that's a whole mm. other issue. But um, uh, do I think Ross is responsible? Well, what um, I mean is, yeah, is, it, I, is it possible for the state to charge him uh, on the grounds that even if you were not involved in any of the transactions, yeah. the fact that he made yeah. it possible yes. and didn't explicitly ban some of these illegal mm -hmm. Right. things under the current yeah, well, system of law that that makes you culpable yeah well that's a very sticky question because yeah. um then is jeff bezos responsible for the girl who bought cyanide on amazon and killed herself with it her mother is suing them mm. i don't know whatever happened it's been mm. a few years now um is ebay responsible for um, prostitution, for murders that have happened for stolen goods being sold mm. um i mean craigslist I, is the murders I guess is Facebook Live responsible for the murders that happened on Facebook Live or the terrorism? It's Google, so it's it's a kind of a sticky question. And if it were a civil case, the, the host is immune. Yeah. But because it's criminal, this mm -hmm. is the first time a website host has been indicted criminally and put in prison. Now, um, you know, look again. I'm not going to defend Silk Road. I agree. There's things that I would. <laughs> you know, I don't approve of and all of that. Um, the question is, who's responsible, right? Yeah. And um, even if, you know, I, I think it's debatable. I don't want to get into a whole debate about it. Mm -hmm. But even if you can say a host is at least partially responsible. Now, Backpage, for example, which was child trafficking, yeah. the judge said, no, they're not responsible. It's a freedom of speech issue. They are not reliable for what other people do on their site, and they are exonerated. Now, it's a state case. It's exactly the same, except it's child trafficking. It's not, yeah. uh, which is even, to me, more evil. Um, but it's, it is that question of, of culpability, and um, it is a big issue mm. here. Um, but even if it's, even if you'd say that to give him double life plus 40 years mm -hmm. with no parole saying he's so dangerous that it went in his mid twenties. Hey, look, guys in their mid twenties, girls, guys, whatever, young people, look, older people too, but let's face it. Young people do reckless things. Sometimes they might not think it through. They don't have life experience. They might be life. Mm. Without parole mm. for a first-time offender, nonviolent. Mm. I think surely people can at least look at that and go, you know, that's a little much. I don't know if my taxpayer money is really being well used to protect me from Ross in 20 years when he hasn't been on the internet for 20 years. You why? Know? Why do you think this happened? You said there were political motivations. I Something do think about so. Chuck Schumer. I do think so. Um, mm. You know. 
and the reason I, well, first of all, I think it was about Bitcoin. I think that Chuck Schumer was a ranking member of the Senate Finance Committee. He was the impetus behind the whole focus on Silk Road and the takedown. He even, before trial, congratulated Eric Holder in an open letter. Hey, congratulations, DOJ, you got your man. I'm like, wait a second, we haven't had trial yet. Hello? Mm. Innocent until proven guilty. Mm. But the judge was recommended by Schumer to her position on the bench. Preparar, the lead prosecutor, was his special counsel for years. Ross was hauled to New York for trial when he wasn't arrested there. He was arrested in California. In San Francisco. Yep. Yeah. I, but what really convinced me is when I saw the other sentences, because the biggest drug seller on Silk Road got 10 years. The biggest heroin and cocaine seller got five. The biggest meth seller got three. And that, w- that was lessened be- from six because of the corrupt agent activity on the site, which was not allowed to be known to Ross's jury, which is a whole other issue of corruption. We don't know who said what really mm. and who was acting as DPR because they have the ability to act as DPR. Yeah, so once they cloned, um, I mean, I was reading about this. Once they cloned all the data from the Iceland server, they could, could they log in as, as DPR themselves? I believe it was when uh, they arrested Curtis Green. Yeah. And he gave them access. I but you know I, I'm I'm not the right person. Yeah. You probably know more than I do, honestly, yeah. because I've been so caught up in law and um, things, yeah. and I'm not real technical. Yeah. So I and I haven't dug into the minutia of what happened. Yeah. Uh, but I believe it was when they arrested Curtis Green. What I was reading was. Um, there was some faulty technical protocol in Silk Road that leaked its true IP, which normally it's not supposed to do on a Tor network. And this enabled um, the investigators to track down where the, the servers were. Server. And there was it was this uh, data center called Thor Data Center in Iceland. And they could go in and clone uh, mm-hmm. the entire thing. And so they could run Silk Road from their own offices. Right. Um, well... Just to say, they did get it. How they got it uh, was the the explanation by Christopher Tarbell, the uh, head of, you know, who under oath said how he got it, was debunked worldwide. They said this is a lie. This is gibberish. This doesn't make any sense at all. His explanation. Now you're going to get me to get (laughs) technical. It had to do with miraculously finding a CAPTCHA or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they said, what, what, what? A lot of people think it was with the NSA illegally mm. doing this and then mm. leaking it to mm. the FBI, yeah. which happens. Yeah. And actually, people are saying it happened with Trump. Yeah. That um, that's what the NSA does. And then they make up a story. Well, his story, didn't, from by experts, I mean, mm. lots of people wrote about it, mm. uh, said this is absurd. The defense called for an evidentiary hearing to investigate it, and the judge would not allow that. Mm. And um, so... But, yes, they had control of the server and at, at some point and um, didn't take the site down. Hmm. And then they, you know, then they want to, I don't know, are they responsible for some of the things that happened too? Hmm. You know, they, Chuck Schumer was like, we have to take the site down immediately. No, they didn't. They left it up for, for months. Hmm. And um, so, I don't know, the hypocrisy is pretty stunning when you start getting involved with the government. But in any case... Um, yeah, I was just going to say that, I guess I just said it, that yeah. um, whatever's true, it's just, uh, and I, you know, I have my beliefs because knowing Ross and everything, 
but um, a double life sentence without parole and plus 40 years is just, mm. it's, oh, the other thing I was going to say, that's what it was, sorry, Yeah. Um, is that the real shocker for me was that I found out that the guy who started Silk Road 2.0 and ran it and admitted to running it and the government arrested and said, oh, this is an identical site. It's bigger. It sells more drugs per month. It has more listings. He did no time. He was out in 16 days. So I don't know where he is. Mm. But Do you know the reasoning behind No, I don't. In yeah. fact, it's been kept very quiet, and I uncovered that, yeah, it's right there in the BOP. Was he American? Thing. Yes, he's American. Okay. He's from Texas, actually, Okay. And also. And he, um, if, he's, if Ross is so dangerous that he can't be let out after decades... How come this guy's not dangerous? So Why aren't we getting equal treatment under the law? So part of the story could be these allegations that um, he ordered executions. So like coming to the story of Curtis Green, do you think that how much of uh, 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 how much do you think is true of the fact that he ordered first um, the beating up and then the execution Ross of ordered? Curtis? Oh, uh, no, I agree Curtis with Curtis. Green I don't think it was and Ross. wanted proof. No, no, okay. I, I absolutely don't. And it's part of the um, petition of the Supreme Court that this was never charged. Why, if it's true and I have proof, mm. why didn't they charge him a trial? Why isn't one of the charges a trial? It's not. Oh, this is not? No, absolutely not. Mm. There's no violent charges at all. I see. And, okay. um, yeah, that's a misconception. And uh, because the government initially charged him in the criminal complaint with it, and then they dropped it. But the media had already trumpeted it all over. Oh, my God, murder for hire, right? Yeah. Which is shocking. But it wasn't charged. They dropped it. Yeah. And then they, and then yet the, yet the judge used it to justify her unreasonable sentence. Mm. But it was never brought before a jury. It was never proven. It was never charged at trial. Yeah. So this is a violation of the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution, mm. which says we have a right to a jury trial. Yeah. The judges don't get to say it. Well, maybe the jury didn't say so, but I think it's true. Yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah. Based on what? Yeah. You do don't you, get to do, do that. Do you think that, well, obviously the, the murder did not happen. But no, do you there think was no that... murder. And that's another thing. A lot yeah. of the media is like, oh, murder charges. I'm like... Yeah. No. Yeah. There were no charges at all, but they weren't ever even the government ever said that he murdered anyone. Yeah. But do you think the fact that well the murder didn't happen makes a difference? Um, well it does. I mean in sentencing normally if a murder doesn't happen and there's murder for hire proven, which again it hasn't been, hmm. um, it's ten years normally. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I might try to kill you, but if I don't kill you, it's not as bad as according to the laws if I do kill you. Yeah. Um so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, as far as, far as Ross's character, hmm. um, I don't think he did it. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really, honestly, the government piles on all kinds of charges. I mean, they threw in false IDs because someone had false IDs on there. Hmm. Believe me, if they could have proven murder for hire, they would have brought it to trial. Yeah. They would have been very happy to do that. Yeah. And they never did. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a very fortunate if anyone isn't murdered. And I think, you know, people can regret things, but it's really bad when they've, it's an irrevocable regret. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't kill somebody and you tried, but you didn't, maybe you're like, oh, thank God I didn't. But in Ross's case, that's yeah. all moot because yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think he ever even tried. Yeah. In, in my reading, uh, this is not the only case of, uh, uh, execution um, 
I read that DPR's chat records um, reveal that he ordered more executions against blackmailers. So here, here's a quote of a, of a chat message. It says, in my eyes, friendly chemist, this was a user on Silk Road, uh, who was, I guess, blackmailing. Uh, friendly chemist is a liability and I wouldn't mind if he was executed. I have the following info. His name is Blake Krokoff, lives in an apartment near White Rock Beach, age 34, province, British Columbia, wife plus three kids. Well, again, these were dropped after two months. Mm, mm. So either they those are not, you know, digital evidence yeah. is very, and I've been told by this by many experts, and I, I have proof of it really because we found tampered evidence after trial, which I can't remember if we talked about that. We yet. haven't talked about it. Okay. I was about to get so, to this. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the government dropped the charges. Mm-hmm. So that may or may not be anything. It may never it may be fabricated, it may be planted, or it may be actually there by someone else and they couldn't connect. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. They didn't mm-hmm. they didn't charge them with it. It's mm-hmm. not anything except what they you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't know. I mean I don't yeah. again I And you don't know why they dropped the charge no. either. Okay. They just but they did. I see. But they did. Mm-hmm. And they've never prosecuted it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, their tendency is to pile on charges and um, even at trial or at, at any time they never charged it mm. Mm. That, so and that's just say enough because it's like you can yeah. say all you want to the media and the media can say everything I want yeah we're entitled to a trial you know by supposedly you know we want an impartial jury of our peers mm-hmm. and that is and not a judge deciding it's true because the media or the government says so. Yeah. That, in fact, the Sixth Amendment was partially written to prevent mm. judges doing that. Mm. And um, that's why we have trials. Yeah. Otherwise, like, why well, have one? It's yeah. mob rule and it's a lynching. Yeah, yeah. So what you were about to say something oh, yeah. about the evidence tampering? Yes. So what's the story? So of- after trial, the yeah. defense, you know, what happened before trial is that what happens is the government dumped, and apparently they do this routinely, even though they had this this material for a year, uh, very shortly before trial, they dumped six terabytes. That's a lot. Mm. That's like, uh, I, I looked it up, it's like one over a billion, I think it's typewritten pages mm. to of material to go through. Well, it's impossible to go through everything. Mm. But the defense continued to go through it after trial and found a folder. Um, I don't know how much in the weeds we want to get about this, but mm. um, there was evidence... Uh, that a, a law enforcement, said he was law enforcement person, was selling Dread Pirate Roberts information about the investigation. And it ended at, I believe it was August 15th. What was discovered later is another folder which had it going, oh no, wait, it ended at some point. The other folder, um, and this is written up in Motherboard, it's written up in um, other publications that you can link to on our website. Um the other folder that was discovered after trial had further discussion that had been deleted out of the part that was in the evidence that was between um, Dread Pirate Roberts, supposedly, and this law enforcement. It was deleted. It's provenly, proven tra- tampered. And it's important because it shows... Was this uh, Force, Inspector Force, that you're talking about? No, he was already in prison, okay, I think. Okay, okay. Well, if he wasn't, no, they, they think it's, well, you know what? I don't know. Mm. I'm getting all confused about that, those yeah. details. It's all, but, so what, what but, but they think it was a third agent. Okay. And, um, so this is tampered evidence. What, what, where are these discussions about? Um, it was about this, uh, this agent selling 
um, information about the investigation to Dread Pirate Roberts. And Dread Pirate Roberts, it shows that the, he paid him for mm. information. The payments continued, but the discussion was deleted. Um, and, it, and it stopped the discussion at April 15th, I believe. But see, those last few weeks are very crucial because Ross says this is um, when he was set up. Yeah. So, um, and got back, lured back in and all that. So mm. these last few weeks would be very telling and they're gone. Mm. And this um, person, whoever it is, with high-level admin access, apparently deleted it. Mm. It's, it's tampered evidence. And the thing is, what I've been told is that you can't forensically tell if digital evidence has been tampered with unless you find something like this. Uh, we don't know what else was tampered with. We don't know how many, and then there was the Dread Pirate Roberts login uh, to the forum. We don't know how many times that guy logged in. We know it wasn't Ross because he was in solitary yeah. confinement. And um, How was this information known? What it was you, discovered you... by the defense team later. They found this folder called an S file, labeled S file. That apparently the person deleting the evidence didn't overlooked, and uh, so it was discovered, mm. And um, as well as the login. It was nice. discovered. It was in there. It was mm. in the government's evidence, but it was buried. Yeah, yeah. So I have this list of points that's mentioned on the Free Ross mm -hmm. website, and I just want to hit them okay, once sure. because I think they're important. So uh, the, the first point is violations of the Fourth Amendment. Mm -hmm. um, to to what extent, and why why do you think there were Fourth Amendment violations during his okay. uh, arrest? Yeah, and I'll do, say real quick. Um, the um, the appeal. Mm. addresses this and saying that see the fourth amendment has a particularity requirement which is, is you can't just go into somebody's house say and mm. and just search for whatever you can find yeah. from attic to basement you have to say i'm looking for x mm. if you see something else suspicious you have to go get a warrant for that yeah. and that's to prevent the government from just rummaging through all our stuff it means just it's a privacy issue mm. well as far as ross's quote-unquote digital house in terms of his laptop and um gmail and facebook accounts they didn't have a, they didn't meet the particularity requirement so they just rummaged with whatever they wanted and this the argument is well well it's digital it doesn't count so it's really what what my takeaway is okay so what you're saying is the fourth amendment doesn't apply in the digital right. age okay um so that's the general warrants issue by the mm. way we fought the revolutionary war partially about general warrants and the fourth amendment was written to prevent this the other issue is the pen trap and trace devices um pen register and trap and trace devices known as pen traps. And this is one of the issues in the um, petition to the Supreme Court because they used... Um, this is a device that clones the, the, the hard disk? It's kind of, I'm gonna, yeah, and once again, me being tech stupid, yeah. but um, basically it's a device that can track incoming and outgoing internet traffic in this uh -huh. case. Uh -huh. So, um, and I'm gonna, explain it somewhat in the talk on Friday. Yeah. Um, but basically, they had no warrant or probable cause. And probable cause means a good reason. The government mm. can't just go, I want to put a, a warrant on your, your stuff. You have to have a reason. Like, I suspect him of this and this is why. Mm. They didn't have that. Mm. And yet, they basically um, use these pen traps without a warrant uh, to do that. And that's in violation of the search and seizure law of the Fourth Amendment. And it's very important in the digital age because, again, we keep a lot of our data on our phones and laptops. And and they, they since a very antiquated ruling now, it's been almost four decades, based on the dial telephones, 
that's a whole thing I'm going to go into in the talk. Mm -hmm. I, but um, basically, it's a it's a loophole, and um, so basically, they're able to access all kinds of personal and relevant data through our browsing history, our apps, and all of that. You know, to know what political party or affiliation you're interested in, to know what religion, to uh, know if you're pregnant, to know uh, what sexual orientation, and on and on and on, without a warrant. And this is pretty concerning. Mm. You know, they and, and you know, people go, well, I have nothing to hide. Good, that's great. Um, the government or the NSA or whoever's doing it can also use it to blackmail officials. To blackmail judges and and Congress people and it's it's dangerous. It's not just and it's prevented supposedly they tried to prevent it with, with the Fourth Amendment, but it's been weakened in the digital age because of these this loophole. Mm. And you know without privacy we really don't have freedom. It's it's a it's you know the government can expand. It's a slippery slope and you know it can be abused. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about these two corrupt federal investigators who are, <coughs> yeah. you say they are currently in prison yes. and they were hidden from the jury? Mm -hmm. That is accurate. Um, they, Carmark Force, was, who's a DEA agent, Drug Enforcement Agency, was at the core of the Silk Road investigation in Maryland. Yeah. Um, the, the defense knew about him. The other agent, Sean Bridges, who was working for the NSA and the Secret Service, the defense didn't even know he existed until after the trial. The government knew. Mm. and uh, But the defense said, look, uh, these are corrupt guys. They're being investigated. They had unfettered access to the site. They had the abil ability to act as Dread Pirate Roberts, as I said, other aliases. They used lots of aliases. They, could, um, they had passwords, PIN numbers, bank account keys. They could um, write things on the uh, forum and on the marketplace, take things away. They could manipulate the data. Total open season on the, on the site. Keys to the kingdom, as one journalist said. Mm. To me, this is important information a jury should know. Yeah. The defense brought it pre-trial to the judge, and she and the, the uh, government said, well, if this becomes known, then it's going to impede our investigation into these guys. We, you know, so the... Um, they, they, we can't tip them off. So the defense said, okay, let's wait. We'll wait and you do your investigation and then we'll have the trial and then we can be fully open and, un, you know. No, that wasn't okay. They were going to go ahead. Turns out the agents already knew they were being investigated. They'd already been interviewed. So that was a lie. Mm. And the jury was not allowed to know anything about them or anything related to them at all. There were a lot of things that the jury wasn't allowed to know. They weren't allowed to know Ross's libertarian views. They weren't allowed to know that other things besides drugs were sold on the site. They weren't, um, there's just a whole list of things that the government was allowed to hide from the jury and create their own narrative to paint a picture of Ross uh, as this evil drug kingpin. Mm. And uh, it was very distorted. So these two federal investigators, what are they in prison for? Uh, well, they stole over a million dollars. They used their access to the site to steal over a million dollars. In, in Bitcoin. Yes, it would be Bitcoin, yeah. 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 And um, there's more about them. You can, you know, Sean Bridges was uh, lately something with him, more that he did um, that added to his time. I, You know, honestly, I don't remember. Hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah, they're both in prison. Yeah. They both admitted it. Unfortunately, um, their emails are still encrypted. They did not... Uh, 
use that as part of their deal with them mm. uh, to decrypt their emails. I guess I didn't want them public. I don't know. Yeah. It's, so there's still sealed information, undisclosed information about them. That mm. I'm like, why? Why? Let's let's have it. Let's mm. see what were they up to. Mm. And um, and um, Carl Force, the guy in prison was behind the evidence that was submitted in Maryland that says Ross planned a murder for, or DPR planned a murder for hire. Mm. It was provided by him. He was the guy in the chats with Dread Pirate Robert, Roberts. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Whenever I got an email from Ross, it was nothing was capitalized. Um, it wasn't perfectly punctuated. It was kind of a dash it off kind of thing. This little chat was like perfect punctuation. It sounded like the same person wrote the whole thing and had it proofread. Mm. And I'm like, this sounds so fake to me. Mm. And uh, that's just my personal opinion, yeah. knowing Ross and having gotten many emails from him and stuff. But um, it just doesn't ring true. But in any case, the guy's in prison and we're supposed to take his word for it that it's all valid. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. When you say, I don't know too much about... Um how trials happen, nor do I think a lot of our audience does. So when yeah. you say that um, the jury wasn't allowed to know certain things, like Ross's libertarian views, mm -hmm. in what way was this enforced? Like, the judge said so. Okay. So the judge just, just said there's yeah. no, you can't have that's a discussion correct. about... Okay. And that's possible you to do. You can't mention it. Yeah, apparently. It's possible to just say that yes. you can't you mention... mention those. I'm not, I guess because it would imply yeah. that he was idealistic and philosophical in his creation of the site, not a drug kingpin. Yeah. How many drug kingpins are libertarians? Yeah. Not too many. Yeah. Uh, and yet, at sentencing, she used that against Ross. And she said, well, I know you started this site for philosophical reasons. I'm like, well, mm. she got that right. Mm. And I just don't know it's a philosophy you've left behind. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I thought we had First Amendment protections and you're not supposed to use people's political views against them mm -hmm. to enhance a sentence. And yet she did. Yeah. Yeah. So you were there when this whole thing was unfolding. You were yes. in the courtroom when all this stuff about, oh, you, you, you can't talk about his uh, views. That may um, have been decided pre-trial. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. She doesn't say it, didn't say it openly in court in front of the jury, obviously. So yeah. I don't remember, actually. Yeah. yeah. I know it was precluded. But you were aware that this is something that could not be talked about yes. in the court. Uh, and the lawyer was aware. Yep. Yeah. So I heard, I read, I read also... Because he wasn't allowed to say anything about it. So. I see. Mm -hmm. uh, I read also that the defense cross-examination was repeatedly blocked at trial. Could, could you unpack this a little bit in sure. like simpler terms? And there's a lot on, on our site. Uh, one place was um, there was a government agent, Jared Duryagin, who was an investigator, hmm. who first of all said he believed there were many DPRs. He was on the site for two years for thousands of hours as a uh, alias. Yeah. Um, he believes there are many DPRs. He, believe, he was honing in on one main one, Mark Carpellis, talked about that, um, talked about how... Uh, Carpellis's lawyers met with uh, the, the corrupt agency Maryland mm. and offered them a deal as far as giving them a name if they'd back off Carpellis because they were pursuing him as DPR. And um, it, it was very interesting. It was unfolding. And I have, I have it on there, on the site. Um, so uh, at that point, the prosecution objected. Mm vociferously the judge actually argued said well wait a minute that's okay we can pursue this she finally shut down to court uh went for a long we all went adjourned for a long weekend we came back and suddenly whoa wait a minute you can't mention it this is shut down the jury is told not to, to 
basically disregard everything they heard from a government agent based on government uh, evidence. Uh, this agent said he had probable cause to believe Carpellis was Dread Pirate Roberts, and it was all coming out, um, and it was shut down, and he was not allowed to be mentioned again. Mm. Also, um, when the uh, defense lawyer was interviewing the agents who seized the laptop and were investigating the laptop, they admitted they didn't follow the guidelines. The computer crashed in the middle. They admitted they didn't follow protocol. And he was trying to get out of them, you know, some of this information. That was curtailed. She told him to bring his own witness, which is putting the onus of proof onto the defendant, which is not allowed. It's the, it's the prosecution's job to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm. And um, actually, the lawyer called, or Rosa's lawyer called for a mistrial. Because he said, wait a minute, you know, you can't tell me to bring a witness. But then when he did, anyway, she wouldn't let the witness testify. Mm. So it, it, who, it was, who was this witness? Uh, that witness was uh, Stephen Bellavin from Columbia University. He's a crypto security expert yeah. and technical expert. Yeah. She also precluded Andreas Antonopoulos from uh, uh, testifying about Bitcoin. She said the jury understands Bitcoin just fine. It's irrelevant and unnecessary. I'm like, I've had Bitcoin it's pretty hard experts to say they don't even understand yeah, it. Yeah. It's absurd to say she they understood it. I mean, she had other reasons, and maybe there was were valid, but it seemed pretty extreme to not let the defense have a, a mm. witness to counter the government's witness, who yeah. apparently was yeah. full of mistakes. So. Yeah. So <clears throat> since the end of last year, I guess there have been some significant developments. There is this petition that has reached the Supreme yes. Court. That's, well, um, it's uh, before the Supreme Court. They haven't accepted it yet. I see. Okay. So it was only docketed early January. Yeah. It takes a little while. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the points that the petition makes and why citizens in general should mm -hmm. care? Absolutely. And I'm going to get into this more in uh, my talk. Mm. Uh, there's two points. You can only, you know, you, you can't really present, I can't go into, oh, there were corrupt agents to the Supreme Court. They don't want to get into the weeds yeah. of a case. They yeah. do want to only address things that are broad reaching. Mm. That's by the time you get to the Supreme Court, you need to be, have, have one or two issues. So we have two. Yeah. One is a fourth, the Fourth Amendment issues of the pen traps, which I already touched on, mm. which is saying that is the government allowed to, without a warrant and without probable cause, search uh, a, a, an individual's internet traffic, millions of people using the internet, that they can just go in and see what you're doing on the internet without a warrant and your browsing history, everything, and without probable cause. Is this a violation of the Fourth Amendment mm. or should they have to get a warrant? Mm. I mean, I personally don't feel very comfortable thinking the government can just have open season on all my internet habits. I think that's private. I think that's something that I don't really particularly want them to just yeah. be able to do any old time. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. And then there's the um, question of the sentence. And can a judge, as we discussed, without a jury trial, without it being brought to trial, use an uncharged allegation to enhance an unreasonable sentence? The Sixth Amendment says, no, they can't. We're being The Sixth Amendment is to protect us from a judge, one person, deciding something's true without putting it before the rigorous uh, um, proof of mm. trial and a jury. Mm. And so is this 
unconstitutional, a violation of the Sixth Amendment. Those are the two issues. Yeah. And they do affect a lot of people. Obviously, the Fourth Amendment issue is huge uh, for everyone. But the Sixth Amendment issue is too, because actually this has been going on for decades, apparently. I didn't know this. When I first heard that they were even going to discuss it at trial without having to prove it, without having to do anything and just say, just believe us, it's true. Mm. Um, and the judge allowed it, which is very prejudicial. Uh, I said to our lawyer, wait a minute, they didn't charge it. They had, Don't they have to prove things? Isn't that what a court of law is about? And he goes, no, they, they do it all the time. So apparently there are people all over this country in prison based on what they call judge-found facts. They call them facts. I mean, I don't, they're not actually proven facts, but that's mm. what they call it in legalese, where a judge decides something that's been a, a person's been acquitted by a jury or hasn't even been charged. Like in Ross's case, they can go, no, wait, uh, I don't care what the jury says or didn't hear. I think it's true. Mm. This has been going on for a long, long time, and the district courts and the, uh, well, mainly the appellate courts are looking for guidance to the Supreme Court, like, well, can, you know, what do we do with this? Mm. And uh, so that's the other issue. And it really is broad-reaching, even though most people might not be affected by it. There's there's millions of people that are. Yeah. When you, when you talk about this ruling, prison. what what court was it that, that the ruling was in? Well, first it goes to the district, yeah. which is the trial mm. and the sentencing. Mm. And that's New York, Southern District of New York. Yeah. Not sure exactly. Uh, I mean, they came up with a reason, but it was just mm. kind of, it was very tenuous that Ross should be in New York. Mm. But I've been told that the Southern District, if they want something, they get it. Yeah. They're um, very aggressive. Mm. Um, and then you appeal it to the circuit. Mm. So in, in because it's New York, it goes to the Second Circuit. Still, We're still in New York here. And the appellate court, three appellate judges, decide if there was error in the trial. They decided, despite corrupt agents, despite um, the warrants, despite the unreasonable sentence and the uncharged crimes uh, justifying it, they did not deny what the judge did. Mm. They, I, I really didn't feel like they were comfortable. From my opinion at oral arguments, and I'm not the only one, uh, felt like they were not comfortable with the sentence and that they may not have given that sentence, but they upheld it. Mm. Um, so then your next step in the system is, okay, if you guys won't get, you know, pay the, do what we feel you should, we're going to go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we are. Okay. You, you do know that it was highlighted as petition of the day. I do. Yeah. And I was very happy to see that. It was fairly that. recent, actually. It was. And yeah. I've been told that the person who decides this is very well respected. Yeah. And that it's actually a, quite a good thing. Yeah. It shows probably that they will pay attention to it. Yeah. Our lawyers, Williams and Connolly, are some of the most renowned lawyers in the country. Mm. And basically, they really took it because they said they think it's a very important case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they love Ross. You know, they really do. They're, they've met him. They know who he is. Mm -hmm. And so they feel very good about representing him. They feel that this was a, a draconian sentence and um, very unfair. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, as I said, they worked with Ross on this. And, yeah. Uh, so and they're very, very well respected at the court. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful that mm -hmm. it won't. You know, so many people petition the Supreme Court. They take a very small percentage. But I'm hopeful that they won't you know, that they will hear this in some manner. Yeah, I checked yeah. out the amicus briefs. Oh, good that for you. You're a been... very good researcher. I'm going to say, you're better than <laughs> most doing, people. Doing a PhD, you know. I, so um, it seems like there's a lot of people who are 
very concerned about the the widely reaching um, uh, relevance of of um, this case, uh, particularly pertaining to the laws that will take shape for our digital they age. They should be. They yeah. absolutely should be. Yeah. And what I thought was very heartening and I liked was that it's from both sides of the political spectrum, uh, from conservative to very liberal, very mm. left wing to right wing and all that, and libertarian and, you know, because it's not a partisan issue. And I think that's really good. Yeah. Because people, you know, may differ on some things, but they can look at this and go, yeah, this is serious. Yeah, yeah. In particular, having been born in, I was born in 1989, I kind of grew up with the internet and technology has been changing very rapidly. Very. Um, as I was growing up. But the up, laws have not. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, law, the, the change of law is very slow compared to this increasing pace of technology. So we are being repeatedly confronted by these questions where we have this sort of this fossilized laws trying to grapple the best they can with new age technology that they were not designed for. Absolutely. Um, just at the University of Texas at Austin here, I've been to multiple uh, talks that, that address different aspects of how the law is becoming increasingly inadequate to, to handle. Good. Um, handle. It is. Um, um, technological uh, questions. Um, I, I am going to quote on Friday Sandra Sotomayor, who's you know Supreme Court Justice, hmm. saying those laws are ill-suited to the digital age. We need to kind of get yeah. with it because we're losing our protections. It's become it's a way to, for us to lose our freedom. Hmm. So it's it's a very essential that um, you know the courts uh, adapt. Yeah. Yeah. To our and, and expand our protections to include digital material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just because the founding fathers didn't put laptops in the Fourth <laughs> Amendment. You know, they forgot that part, darn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, honestly, it's just... Yeah, know. yeah. yeah. Uh, so I want to hear a little bit about your experiences and lessons um, in, in your activism since you started uh, getting mm -hmm. um, very seriously involved in this project and doing what you... Uh, can so uh, just a broad overview what has your activities comprised since since the arrest and trial mm -hmm. what have you been involved in mm -hmm. well I mean when I started you know of course it was very shocking to the whole thing was just so shocking and mm -hmm. um, and uh, but when I started um, reading what the media was saying about Ross I'm like that's not my son that is not my son mm -hmm. so I, I just put up a, a page on the internet you know this is who Ross is, and it was all factual, mm. but it was all, you know, it was about him and who he really is, and that was the beginning of our website. And actually, the next stage was a friend who knew Ross personally from high school, mm. and was said Ross had been such a positive influence in his life, had really made a big difference in his life, and he wanted to help him. Yeah. So he helped us put up another site. That's been a lot of who's helped us, is people like, I know Ross, this is this is wrong, you know, mm -hmm. and helped us put up a site. And then we had another friend who did another iteration and it's been, it's been progressing. So a lot of it's been getting information up on the website. Um, and actually I was hurled. I was, <laughs> I feel like I've been, uh, on this wave, like trying to stay afloat, keep not drown, yeah. try, you know, and learning how to surf it sometimes and other yeah. times just paddling for like, you know, to stay alive. Yeah. Um, learning law and learning tech and learning how to tweet and learning how to, you know, um, yeah. and being, you know, 
really put in a whole different culture, which is the millennial and well, just young culture. Mm. And you know, any older, but yeah, a lot younger than I am. Yeah, and, and a it, lot and has changed yeah, in this so generation. It's probably going to be much. I sometimes imagine if it's this hard for intelligent, educated people of a generation back to keep up with what's happening now. How much harder is it going to be for us when we yeah, reach our age? Question. Because things, the pace of change keeps increasing. So it's it's gonna be mm-hmm. probably much harder, regardless of how yeah. smart I think I am. Because right. it's just well, it's, it's hard to. Which is reason, but all yeah. the more reason why Ross not. She could have given him twenty years. That's yeah. long. Yeah. Not on the internet. He would not be allowed on the internet the whole time. Yeah. He's got to come out and do another Silk Road or be a threat to anyone. It's absurd. Mm. You know, it's terrible to to give him more than that. Yeah. And uh, that's plenty. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Believe yeah. me, for a young man, who's, you know. But, um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, it's like learning a foreign language as an adult. Yeah. I'll always never be quite fluent. I'll never feel as comfortable as you. Yeah. And then that may be true for you, but you may progress along. I was very tech. No, I don't want to do that stuff. Yeah. So I was very, yeah. uh, I was not... The yeah. most tech savvy, You've anyway. Been pushed off the deep end. I of the have. Pool. Yeah. I have been hurled into this yeah. situation, and I've learned a lot. But yeah. I'm also, as you can tell from some of my responses, I'm like, ah, I guess I know that. Ah. Yeah. But you know, it's been more. More, I've been um, involved in the um, law, the legal mm-hmm. aspects, and also what I. You were asking me, what have I learned? Mm. I've learned that we are losing our freedoms very quickly. That the criminal justice system is not what I had thought it was as an American. That the way they prosecute people is <laughs> shocking. Mm-hmm. I talked to a former prosecutor who told me, he goes, Lynn, they lie and they will cheat to get their win. And the more I learn about how this happens and hear stories, I'm it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And um, it's un-American. And, it, and most people have no idea what's going on. And um, we are losing jury trials. I mean, 97% of people plea even to things they haven't done because they're so intimidated and threatened by prosecutors that if they go to trial, they'll lose and get a worse sentence that they just say, okay, I'll just plea then. And, um, oh, on and on and on. And what we're doing is, is, is it's really wrong. And through the drug war, which again, I'm not for drugs. You don't have to be for drugs to be against the drug war because it's not about drugs anyway. If it were, They'd stop doing it because it's not working. Mm. It's about government expansion and money, basically. Mm. Um, it's filling our prisons. It's over-sentencing. It's hurting children. The children of these people who themselves statistically are more likely to be in prison. And it's becoming an industry that is a shameful industry. It's human trafficking as far as I'm concerned. And it's made us the biggest incarcerator on the planet. Mm. This is the drug war. If they stop the drug war, uh, the prisons... They wouldn't have so many. They would certainly uh, have a hard time filling them. Mm, mm. And um, over 60% of people in prisons, according to, I believe it's a sentencing project, are nonviolent drug offenders. Sixty Over 60%. And even the violent people in there, it's, it's drug-related to gang warfare and stuff like that. So uh, I've learned a lot about that mm. and um, about the politics behind it. And I feel like I, we're losing our country, the principles yeah. it was based on. And um, we need to wake up because I feel like we're at a tipping point in history. And it, 
like as you said in the courts it's happening in the courts and it's happening that we can go one way towards freedom and innovation or we can go towards more government intrusion and control we have to decide and we live in a very important crux in history which you know as the chinese say may you live in interesting times well it's very interesting mm. but it's also very um crucial and pivotal and people i really think you guys it's your future you're young <laughs> you know it's your future do you want to live in a free place in a free world where people decide their fate and and can pursue their dreams or do we want the government telling us how to, what we're going to do and if you don't do it even for nonviolent things or things that you know over sentencing people to spend their lives in a cage at our expense it's it's just it's just it's shocking and that's really what um has impacted me the most yeah because i see the kids i see the families i know them and um of course my own son and my own experience and you know i'm not the typical profile and neither is ross you know and then the guards there say to him you don't what or say to me they go what ross is a good guy and he doesn't belong in here he shouldn't be in here i'm like tell me about it mm. but he's you know but a lot of those people don't and i i just think there's a better way and a more humane way and a more constructive way and um so that's really my passion beyond ross is what i've seen from my own eyes in the criminal justice system mm. and so i think we, we really need to wake up mm. Yeah. Um I was recently uh volunteering at uh, it's called the Inside Books project mm -hmm. where um they send donated books to prisoners mm -hmm. in Texas. Um and in general I'm of the opinion that there are already other countries that have taken a much more fruitful and what I would say compassionate Absolutely. approach towards um and constructive yeah, yeah prison right. being more rehabilitatory yes. as opposed to being um you know you did Punitive. something wrong we're mm -hmm. going to be punishing you and um I think that works that works better even if your objective is to correct uh crime um it still works better um so there's obviously that angle and and, and that has um that's a very general problem i think and that reaches far beyond just just ross's uh, oh, case definitely yeah they call it correctional institution yeah i don't see a lot of correction going on there yeah i see criminal training pro program actually where people and i'm not saying this is ross cuz he's keeping his soul he's keeping his mind healthy and part of that's why I visit him a lot and others do to keep mm. that connection but people come in there nonviolent or you know scared because it's a scary place it's violent people are in there you have to toughen up to survive yeah. you have to become develop a criminal mentality almost to survive mm. it's a criminal training program that's what it is it's not correctional mm. and so what are we really doing here and are we just there are we just filling cells to make money for the government and all the subsidiary industries that feed off this because mm. there's many yeah and create a jobs program yeah or are we really trying to do something that makes a difference i understand the thinking of oh someone's violent and dangerous and they shouldn't be they society shouldn't be exposed to them even those people i would venture to guess after decades of being incarcerated have matured but nonviolent offenders <laughs> 
I don't understand the day of technology that we can't put an ankle bracelet on these people and even have allow them to make restitution to who have, now there were no victims who came forward at Ross's trial, but any victims or whatever, uh, to somehow there's got to be a better way, mm. a less costly way in human lives and money. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine that once this severe sentencing happened and it was treated as an open and shut case that most people would from that point on not be very interested in hearing anything about it because they have made up their mind. But you have been going around talking to groups that have lent an ear. Um, mm -hmm. So who have these people been? What kind of demographics do they represent? Mm -hmm. uh, who are the people that have been hearing out your side and Ross's mm -hmm. side of the story? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I joke to Ross that all my new best friends are all um, in their 20s and 30s. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, techies or whatever, you know, um, who would have thought. But um, no, it's uh, mostly young people, I would say, but not all. But it's um, libertarians mm. and people who believe in voluntary interaction, of course, have stepped. They were the first. They were like, whoa, wait a minute. This isn't right. Um, but big people involved in cryptocurrency. Um which overlaps there, but, um, you know, I've spoken at the National Libertarian Convention, and I've spoken, Reason Foundation was one of the amicus, mm. amici in this, and they're having me speak at their private um, mm. conference next month. Um, you know, they're very well-respected um, libertarian um, foundation, Cato as well. Uh, so the libertarians have been a huge support. Um, people who like Drug Policy Alliance, who also wrote an amicus brief, mm. who are fighting the drug war, uh, they have been very supportive. I spoke at their conference in uh, last fall, um, and as I said, I've just recently spoke at a Bitcoin conference in Dallas, where people who are aware of it and understand, you know, and, and a lot of them came up to me and said, "Oh my gosh, you know, now that you spell it out, I had no idea," because the media does not dig very deep into mm. this. And uh, and doesn't get the big picture, frankly, many of the time, not all, much of the time. Um, so people involved in crypto. And um, so I would say that's, you know, a, you know, Ross found himself at the crux of this, you know, between cryptocurrency and privacy and drug war and, you know, protection of freedoms. He's like at the crux of a lot of this. It crosses many lines, political affiliations and everything. Mm. So it's been across the spectrum, but um, I would say generally yeah. it's those groups. Yeah. But, um, and there is overlap. Mm -hmm. mm. But you said that, I mean, this is generally understood. And as, as I was reading about this, I could tell that Ross had philosophical motivations behind yes, building totally Silk Road. He's an idealist. So yeah. if you could tell me a little bit, I mean, dating back before mm -hmm. this whole thing, mm -hmm. uh, because you're his mother, um, you probably have some understanding of what his philosophical outlook mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. uh, so could you tell me a little bit about him, like, I mean, mm -hmm. his character and his philosophy? Sure. Um, well, yeah, I mean, actually, my husband and I are entrepreneurs. We've always we haven't been fans of big government particularly. We are kind of libertarian leaning anyway. Mm. So I do understand it. Um, and Ross, as I said, or maybe I forget, I just did two interviews in a row, so I'm forgetting yeah, what I told yeah. you. Yeah. Um, he became interested at Penn State in Ron Paul's campaign, worked on Ron Paul's campaign, and in Austrian economics, in free markets. Mm. 
So, and I understood all that. I really, you know, and I've since met Dr. Paul. He's a wonderful And you were aware of his, of his interest in these. Yes. Before um, the whole Silk Road. Yes, I was. Yeah, and okay. we discussed it. We'd have great uh, animated discussions. I didn't necessarily agree with everything he said or, you know, we, but we talk about it, you know, yeah. it was all, but I, I, of course, I'm an American. I believe in freedom. You know, it's like that's yeah. at the foundation of our country, mm. which is one reason I'm so upset about what I see going on. Mm. Um, in any case, yeah. So he was very idealistic, mm. very philosophical. Um, that's the thing. Ross, I mean, I don't know how many people would say El Chapo is idealistic. Ross was literally living with three roommates who I stayed there, my husband and I stayed there as guests. Mm. They knew Ross and all this thing. Well, those roommates didn't know him. Well, maybe those were other roommates, but these roommates, it, one this of them. This is in San Francisco? Yeah. One yeah. of them came and testified at trot. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. um, they love Ross. Uh, mm. But anyway, um, he didn't even own a car. Ross is not motivated. He's not someone, not that, you know, I'm not saying hate money, mm. but that's not who, what drives Ross. He's very idealistic. He still is still believes in helping people he does it in the prison mm. he's helped them there's four inmates there's a hundred letters on our website with people who know ross saying who he really is to the judge and they sign their names and they're just like please give him the, the least you can mm. that's plenty mm. believe me well she gave him the most she could if she could have given him the death sentence apparently she would have but she basically did actually when you think about what she did but in any case <clears throat> um He's, they all, you know, there was four of them were inmates who wrote and said, he's helped me get into college remotely from prison. He's helped me get my GED diploma. He tutored, he led classes, he's encouraging, he helps them with their cases because he's learning about the law. You know, he'll give, you know, talk to them. He'll, he's so, he's very well liked uh, because he is so caring about people. And he always has been. Mm. And in fact, you mentioned uh, being involved in the prison literacy or with the books. Inside Books Project. That, well, he his his Good Bag and Books company gave ten mm. percent of their profits to. That was one of the charities he gave to here in Austin. Mm. Mm. You know, kind of ironically, because now he's in prison reading books. Uh, but yeah, and yeah. so he's always had that caring about humanity and wanting to contribute. Mm. Mm. So he's always been like that. Yeah. When you say that uh, there were certain, uh, he, he had viewpoints and, and, and philosophies that you didn't necessarily always agree with, uh, do I take it to mean that he had a more extreme or radical uh, view of philosophy than your own? Yeah, it wasn't so much uh, more... the philosophy, but different ideas like, um, okay, how would we do the roads if they're all private? That sort of discussion. It wasn't, I wasn't yeah. close to ideas, but, you know, a lot of libertarians feel like there should be, everything should be private. For that, that's kind of discussion. It wasn't like a deep-seated philosophical difference. It was more, yeah, you know, I that see. kind of discussion. I see. You know, it was, you know, when you're in college, as you know, you yeah. get into all kinds of intellectual explorations and stuff. Yeah. And that's what he's like. He's very curious. He's studying artificial still a, intelligence in a very, right now. In a know. very formative stage oh, yeah. where you he's haven't young. really made up your mind and you might do things life. that are a bit reckless you might do things that later you look back and go god what was i thinking that was crazy but um i mean i've done do you, reckless things of course you have i mean that's the thing <laughs> haven't we all at that age and to say okay no redemption for you yeah. no second chance for you nothing for the mm. rest of your life mm. 
you have to die in there. Mm. I'm sorry. That, that's a little excessive, said mm. the least. Mm. That's I barbaric, that, actually. I read that he was... Uh, this interested me. Um, I, grew, I, I grew up an atheist, um, mm-hmm. but I recently... Over the last couple of years, I've started really getting into uh, some Eastern philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I heard that Ross was into Eastern philosophy. Well, he meditates you, regularly. Yeah. Did you? Did how much? To what extent do you know about his interest in Eastern philosophy? Um, well, uh, someone actually sent him a book. I mean, I think over time he's looked dabbled and. Yeah. But uh, someone sent him a book um, called, "The Mind Illuminated." Oh, I, I have been recommended the same book. I I'm trying to read it, but yeah. it's, it's, it's heavy going, but um, he's had time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was a wonderful gift. Whoever, I would love to thank the person. I don't know who it was. He didn't sign his name or mm. her name. But um, that he has pursued, and he meditates regularly. Actually, last year we had a Meditate with Ross Day and mm. asked people all over the world to meditate at the same time. People did. It was really neat. Mm. Um, so he, and in fact... Um, you know, he goes into the ch- prison chapel often and meditates there. They actually provide a cushion and things like that, which is decent. Um, and uh, in general, Ross is a spiritual person, you know, and uh, I am also. And I and that is one of the things that gets me through the day. But yeah. um, <clears throat> he's practicing meditation, and it's really helped him a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's very hard in there to not become frightened, discouraged, uh, depressed can imagine bitter mm-hmm. and um ross is never like that he's yeah. always intentionally positive i mentioned to the other interviewer um one person asked him and tweeted this um who visited him said well do you want the judge who did this to you to be in prison and ross said no i would never wish that on anyone going through what i'm going through mm-hmm. he said um unless they're so violent that society has to they have to be he said, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Mm. So he's not even bitter about her. Yeah. yeah. And that's an example for me because it's a struggle, to be honest. And, um, but he, he feels like that isn't productive. It's not, he, he remains positive. He tries to remain a good influence. This is in prison in a violent uh, maximum security prison he's holding this position. Yeah. So how can we be afraid that Ross will get out of prison in 20 years and be a danger to anyone. It's wrong. Mm. This is just wrong. Mm. Over the last couple of years, I've been uh, at least trying to maintain a daily meditation practice. Oh, nice. And it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's it's transformative. Mm. I, have, it's, I can attest to the fact that it has um, very significantly changed my mm. life, all for the better. And when I was volunteering for the Inside Books project, I had to write open letters from inmates and then read their letters for what books they want and match their letters from books in their collection and then write a letter back. And in all my letters, I had a short paragraph with instructions for like a secular uh, meditation. I went to a meditation retreat, and part of that was this uh, solitary confinement, voluntary. Mm. Of course, it's not like prison, but Mm -hmm. you're by yourself. And I think if you can cultivate um, this sort of uh, practice, 
it can be very, very beneficial no matter what kind of yeah. uh, life situation right. you find yourself in. So if I could talk to Ras, regardless of the rest of the case or, you know, regardless of whatever I believe or not believe, um, I think I would tell him that uh, the meditation is important. And, oh, yeah, and he yeah. would totally agree with you. Yeah. And um, it's really been a wonderful thing for him. I think it's really helped him, yeah, just maintain that perspective and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's a little little bite of freedom in the yeah you know yeah 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 um so you have been uh meeting and visiting him mm-hmm. a, a, at a certain periodicity yes. since since yes. um his arrest uh how many times have you have you met him since oh gosh have you, you know, been in the last four years yeah i couldn't even be in to count them you know a lot oh, okay. um regularly um you know depending on friends filling in and stuff um you know, every week or every two weeks for three and a half years. Mm. And then now, I'm not there now, this, yeah. you know, but uh, friends are going. Actually, a couple of friends from high school from Austin are going yeah. this coming weekend. Um, who are still remain loyal and friends and know Ross of who he really is, you know? Mm. I mean, uh, uh, so I, don't, I can't count, but yeah, a lot, yeah. you know, yeah, try yeah. to do it a yeah. lot. Because yeah. so many people, it's so horrible and sad that, this huge visiting room, and maybe there'll be three, maybe five inmates mm-hmm. on a busy day with their families or whoever. There's hundreds of guys in there. They don't. There's people who are just forgotten, or that's become their world, uh, and that's it for mm. them. They're warehoused, mm. and I am determined that that will not happen to Ross. As much as I'm determined, he will not die in that place. Yeah, it cannot be, and I want to maintain, help maintain as best I can his mental and emotional health because. You know, I just, you know, and that visits are their lifeline. Yeah. So I'm willing to uproot myself. I'm willing to go where I have to go. Um, and, you know, of course, make, you know, facilitate friends and family yeah. also. And it's just, it's so important. As you keep visiting him over time since his mm-hmm. arrest, what do you make of how he is feeling? Like, how is he doing? Well, that's the thing. I, he's maintained himself yeah he's me he's still him we joke he's got a great yeah. sense of humor he's a lot of fun yeah we have fun we actually you, you don't see forget. any great depression no i have never down on him now let me say yeah. he's human yeah yeah <laughs> he's had his very down moments hmm. he's had his very desperate moments so i'm not going to say that doesn't happen hmm. but he doesn't stay there yeah. he's very mentally strong yeah and emotionally strong and he has a lot of support, but he is those things, and so he doesn't stay there. Yeah. He has those moments, and he has, and it's very tough. But um, he's still him. He's mm. not changed. He's, um, like I say, he's. we have great talks. We um, Sometimes we forget where we are, yeah. you know, and that's really great, you know. Yeah. And we play cards, and, you know, they have a Bible there. We read the Bible and talk about these ideas and things and philosophical things and you know, that kind of thing, but we, and we, or we, yeah. you know, just whatever, you know, and, um, so it's important, you know. What, what kind of condition is he in right now? Is it like a, a separate cell by himself or, um, there are other inmates that he has to share space with? Yeah. Uh, he, every, he has a, what they call a celly, which is like a roommate in a way in that cell. Mm. 
Um, and uh, yeah, he's got a, actually a young guy from Texas who's nonviolent. Mm -hmm. I think he was, you know, uh, I think they purposely gave him to Ross because Ross is like the eye. Talk about winning the lottery. Get Ross as your cellmate in prison. He's like, oh boy, you're lucky. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, you know, he was pretty, you know, young and, you know, innocent and stuff. And um, they get along fine, you know. It's very easy to get along with Ross. He's a laid-back guy on guy. Um, and so that's been all right. You yeah. know, it's his second cellmate, uh, but it's been fine, mm. you know. Do you know how he has been treated in general since his arrest in all his prisons? Has he talked about... Yeah, um, well, you know, again, he's very well-liked, so yeah. um, the, I've had guards come up to me and my or his lawyer and to my husband and say um he doesn't belong in here mm. he's a good guy they all love him ross mm. you know uh in the prison you know well he's easy you know he's not he's not going to stab them or start a riot or be yeah. a problem in any way um and as far as uh the other uh inmates as well um ross He's, he's very good people skills, but also he just likes people. And, I, mm. and he, anybody, you know, it's funny because he said, well, you know, mom, gang leaders are people too. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. You know, it's just because you're in a maximum security prison doesn't mean that you're not a human being who yeah. responds to kindness and friendliness and, you know, being treated well. Mm. And, um, mm. you know, he said to me, he said, you know, this time, he says, obviously... If it doesn't go on too much longer, it hasn't been a waste. I've matured. I certainly am a different person than when I was arrested. Um, I have changed. I've met people I never would have met. I've mm -hmm. learned things I never would have learned in terms of what's going on, you know, and just different people's lives. I think, and, and part of that maturity is the kind of compassion that you develop when you hear these stories. Because most of us don't hear these stories right from these people. And um, I do, too, from the families and talking to the visiting families, and I get to know them. And it, he said, you know, it's actually been very rich in a lot of ways. Obviously, I want to leave as soon yeah. as possible. But at the same time, it's not like I've wasted my life these last four years. I've, I've learned a lot. Yeah. So that made me feel better yeah. because I, you know... I, it's 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 tough, but yeah. that's the kind of attitude Ross has. He's yeah. very inspiring to me. He yeah. keeps me going. Yeah, I I remembered uh, just now reading that, I guess when he was growing up, um, as a family, you guys used to spend your summers in Costa Rica. Well, yeah, because we, our yeah. business is there. Yeah, and yeah. I read that there are these solar powered bamboo houses yes, that are. you built. Casabamboo.com. Yeah, you guys, you guys yeah. like built this? My or? husband did. Okay. I didn't build anything. I never built anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I guess Ross also like spent his mm -hmm. summers there. I was just trying so to form. So he's nature boy. He loves nature. He loves being outside. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I was just, just trying to uh, build a, a picture of the context in, in, in which he grew up and kind of. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, he grew up in Austin, you yeah. know, and, um, we're a pretty, you know, I don't know, a regular family, you mm. know, uh, not rich. Yeah. You know, regular middle class family. Um, and, uh, 
I did try to, I didn't let them have video games and stuff like that growing up. <laughs> I wanted him to go out life. and play, and yeah. I wanted him to be creative, and he's very artistic. Yeah. Played soccer. He was he's a normal guy, Very always very mellow and laid back and sweet. He's a, he's a very easy child. I guess he's making it up, up for it now, <laughs> but he's a, a very easy person to raise. He yeah. was always very sweet and, yeah. and smart, you yeah. know, but... Um, Laid back. He's he's not a combative kind of person, and um, yeah. And so, and then we had this business, and um, uh, he we would spend time down there, and he's you know very much uh in loves nature, and so that was one of the good things about moving to this penitentiary from New York is that he gets to be outside when they're not on lockdown, which has been mm. happening a lot, but um, not because of him, because of other people mm. fighting and stuff. But um, so he can go outside, he can see the mountains, he can run a track, and that means a lot to him. Yeah. He was really, that's very helpful for his his and the others' mental health. Yeah. But um, you know, he loves nature. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, talking about the future, what what lies ahead? There's this petition. Yeah. In front of the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So, how do you see um, the, the 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 sequence of of, of steps in, into the future now? Well, we'll wait to hear if they'll accept it and hear it in some form or another. There's lots of different things that can happen and that will depend on what they do. There's another case called Carpenter mm. that's addressing cell phone tracking without a warrant and they've accepted it. Mm. So it's kind of almost a similar case, only more invasive because it's all your internet browsing, all your internet activity, yeah. which is even more than just where your cell phone says you are. Because mm. they can turn your devices into tracking devices which i'm going to explain on a little bit on friday um so it depends how they rule they could rule um to go back to the second cir circuit and the second with guidance and the second circuit say well those pen traps are uh, uh, illegal and anything you got from those pen traps is off limits which would leave very little anything for a new trial hmm. um that would be wonderful um they could just say do nothing which would be terrible because that leaves you with very few options. They could um, say, well, they could go back to the Second Circuit and we'd get no relief with the pen traps, but then we could re-petition the Supreme Court just on the sentence. This is what I understand from the lawyers. Don't hold me to anything legal because I'm not a lawyer. But um, <clears throat> I also have not, you know, people are saying, well, let's get a petition for a pardon. Let's get, let's Let's make an effort for commutation of sentence. Um, and I actually don't think, I think that's worth an effort. And really, if anyone has any ways to connect me to politically influential people, uh, including the President of the United States, I would really appreciate some help there because I think that, um, you know, this actually the um, same methods that were used against Ross were it seems to be coming out were used against President Trump. I don't know that much about it, but it's exactly the same thing, as far as I can tell. Um, there's a lot of issues in this that I think would call for a commutation of this unreasonable draconian sentence. It's just awful. Mm. Um, but in any case, I won't give up no matter what, but you do start running out of options. It gets harder. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Those are pretty much all the questions that I had for you, but if there's something that you want to conclude this conversation with, something that you want 
our audience to hear. Yeah. Well, first of all, you've done a great job. I've oh, really enjoyed nice. talking to you. I yeah. really have. It's been really nice to have talked to an interviewer who's done so much research. Mm. Really, it doesn't always happen. It does sometimes. But it's always a pleasure with that. I actually learned some things myself. Um, I think really I kind of summed it up before, which is we're at a crossroads in history and that the law isn't keeping up with the reality of the digital world. And there are laws that are trying to be shoehorned into the reality. And it's the way it's being shoehorned is um, actually depriving us of our protections. And those protections are very important mm. and uh, we want to guard them. And, um, so this is important. It's not just about Ross or me or our family or Silk Road or a website at all. Mm. It's way bigger, and I'm hoping the Supreme Court sees it that way. I think they will. I really am hopeful, and especially, as you said, they've noticed it already. And, um, and they, should, they should notice it because, again, this is bringing forward questions that it's time it is time for the, the courts to catch up a bit. Yeah. So, yeah, that's re really it. And mm -hmm. um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Thanks a lot for mm -hmm. giving me this, uh, this 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 time. Yeah, it was fun. I yeah. enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. And yeah. I look forward to your uh, talk on Friday. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Everybody come. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it. I'll, okay. I'll just leave this rolling because it just gets the ambient sound, although you can't hear it. And then I have to subtract that from the sure. rest of the track to clean it up. Yeah. Um, Listen, I really did enjoy talking to you. And I feel like you're, you know, if let's stay in touch, okay? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. If you come up with anything else just between us or anything like that, yeah. I would um, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Because you really dig, you're a good researcher, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have, that's my day job is yeah. to do research. And, uh, and the other thing I was going to say yeah. is that I think Ross would really enjoy meeting you. And um, if you ever do want to come to Colorado or want to meet him, uh, as a friend, not yeah. as a media person that would yeah. publish it. Yeah. Um, that, that, you know, I think he would enjoy that. So um, I am actually going to Colorado, um, for a conference that I've been invited to. This has to do with my research and this is in oh, early... a physics thing or, um, although I'm getting a degree in physics, my research is in neuroscience. It's kind of like a cross. See, he would probably love to talk to you about <laughs> yeah. science too. So, um, I will be in Colorado from... Well, this is March 1st to the 10th or so. And I, That's I don't too know soon. You, yeah. you got to go through a background check. I have to send you forms. You send them in. They, they approve you. Yeah. I'd need to tell Ross, oh, watch out for this because you don't even know this person. Yeah. But it's a, he lets me vet people. And I really think you would be somebody that he would enjoy a yeah. lot. You have a lot in common. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can definitely tell that a lot of our interests are, uh, are aligned. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Um, so... It's too soon. It won't yeah. never. It will never clear by then. Yeah, that's a week away. Mm. But um, it, it usually takes about a month. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if you want to make the trip to back to Colorado. If you ever do, yeah. just let me know. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and also yes, let's stay in touch because I feel like you really could help me, maybe, or you have some good points. Yeah. Um. I. Um... I try to maintain in our interview as neutral oh, a yeah, position yeah. as possible, um, but I try to, you know, really do my homework uh, because then you're not motivated by whatever half-baked um, presumptions that you bring in and, and you have a clearer picture. You wouldn't believe how ill-informed some of my interviewers, they'll go, oh, what's this case? tell me about the case. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then I'm supposed to like, cover yeah. this you know 
Yeah. It's and others are better. Well, good. You know, yeah. just but you know, it's kind of like, are you that lazy? Yeah. How was how was the one downstairs? Was it? She was actually very nice. Yeah. 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 She was. I sent her this uh, whole email with all of the um, oh well links and everything. I thank said, you. Yeah. Hey, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, and I told her, okay, here's that's all That's what I need to put together for every interview and, and misconceptions and blah, yeah. blah, and just yeah. send it to them. Yeah. Fe- spoon feed it to them. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. But she was very sweet, and um, she said, I'm going to try to make it an, an article that you won't regret doing. I'm like, thank you. Because <laughs> I told her, ah! Yeah. You know, so it's just yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very glad that... I mean, all of this just kind of happened coincidentally because I happened to talk to someone at a music concert. Um, I don't believe in coincidence, yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think Corinne would have been very happy um, yeah. to just know that we were Yeah, I'll let her know. Yeah. And um, no, no, I really enjoyed it, and um, thanks. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. It was yeah. a good interview. It really was. Thanks for swinging by the Room of Lives today. Take care. Until next time. Mm-hmm.